Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. I really appreciate you listening to this Friday broadcast. And Friday is my favorite day of the week because I know it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And we love to worship the Lord on Sunday. And I hope that you will take advantage of the Lord's Day and worship somewhere, okay? You need to be involved in a church. And uh, as a matter of fact, if you don't have a church home, why don't you come over and check us out? We are offering services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, our 11 o'clock service is actually online and uh, you can listen to us on Facebook Live uh, Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock but we would really love to have you come in person right because there's nothing like being with God's people gathering together and worshiping with them and you know when you come to worship we are told in the Baptist verse right Hebrews 10 25 do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and uh, sometimes people listen and say well the pastor just wants to me to be at church because he likes to see the sanctuary full Uh, No, that's not really the case, because if you look at the second half of that verse, it tells us to do that, to gather together, so that we can encourage one another. Now listen, if you listen online, you're getting an encouragement, so I, I encourage you to listen online, but who are you encouraging? You can't encourage somebody by just listening online. So uh, I do encourage you to come in person and worship with us. Well, today I want to do something a little bit different on the broadcast. I want to talk to you about 12 reasons why I believe the New Testament is true. Now, on the beginning of the broadcast, I want to explain to you that these are not original with me, okay? I'm not really that smart, and so these are taken from several different places. I'll kind of let you know where I've got these things from. Uh, A lot of what I have today to give to you on the broadcast, it was given to us by Frank Turek. Frank Turek is the president of crossexam.org, and uh, you can look up his website. You can actually get all of these points, but what I've done is added a couple to what he gives. Uh, he gives 10 reasons why he believes the New Testament is trustworthy. Uh, I've added a couple to it, but as I look at this whole process of understanding God's Word, listen, if you don't believe the Bible is true, then the gospel cannot be true. You know, we believe that the Bible is true. The Bible is God's love letter written to us, and it instructs us how to live the Christian life. It instructs us how to live our daily life. Now, when you think about the power of the Bible, the Bible is able to give us salvation. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about the fact that uh, of ways that we can live our lives. And so this guy, Frank Turk, has written a book. And I think these 10 things are also listed in his book. And the book title is, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And this book is a response to a letter that he received from a Marine. And uh, this retired Marine had a daughter who went to college. And when she went off to college, after being there for a few weeks at uh, UNC in Chapel Hill, all of a sudden she became an atheist. And uh, this dad was so concerned about his daughter. He said, man, I can't believe my daughter spent her whole life uh, in the church studying God's word. And she had actually received uh, rewards and things for her faith and for Bible trivia and for Bible quizzes and things like that. And then she goes off to college and within a matter of weeks, she becomes an atheist. So before we get too far into 12 reasons why the New Testament is reliable and true, I think there's four questions that need to be asked. Number one is, does truth itself exist? Uh, the Bible can't be true if, if truth doesn't exist. So we got to believe, first of all, that there is some truth out there that exists. Now, we know certain things are true uh, based upon science, so we know that truth does exist. So secondly, we've got to realize that if, if truth does exist, things like relativism, for example, is really self-defeating. Uh, for example, if somebody says there are no absolutes, 
What should you say, say to them? Are you absolutely sure there are no absolutes? You know, that's an absolute truth statement that you're making that is not absolutely true. Uh, now, what if they say that truth is relative? That is another absolute truth that they're making. Uh, so maybe somebody will say to you, why are you judging me? You know, you should never judge. Well, that's a statement of judgment right there. Uh, everybody makes judgments. So it's self-defeating to say, don't make judgments. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself didn't say, don't make judgment. He, he says that when you do judge, make sure that as you're judging, that you're using the same standard against others that are using for yourself. Secondly, not only does truth exist, but the second question, does God exist? Now, as we look at this, this is something that, uh, that time and space and matter came somehow together. So you've got to ask yourself, does God exist? If truth exists, the second question is, does God exist? And if he does exist, when did he start to exist, or has he always existed? Third question, are miracles possible? You know, you think about the resurrection, right? Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a great miracle in the Bible, but Frank Turek says that's the second greatest miracle in the Bible. The greatest miracle in the Bible is Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if God didn't do that, then we don't need to be uh, worried about anything else that's written in the Bible. If we can't get past that first initial statement, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If that's not true, then every other verse in the Bible is not true. So we've got to realize that miracles are possible because God created the heavens and the earth, which was the first miracle in human history. So as we look at these questions, we, we have to understand that the Bible is given to us to reveal God to us. So here's the first reason why I believe that we can trust the New Testament. More specifically, we can trust the Bible is because multiple independent sources contributed to the Bible. Now, uh, the Bible is not just one book. It's a series of 66 books. And we tend to think of the Bible as a book, but really it's a compilation of many books. And the Bible was written, and it was written by 40 different authors. Now, this is unbelievable when you think about it. 40 different authors coming together, written over a series of 1,500 years, and yet there's no contradiction. So multiple sources contributed to the Bible. It wasn't just one man's opinion. It was God moving upon holy men, using their personalities to give God's word to the masses. Here's a second reason why we can believe the Bible. We have thousands of New Testament manuscripts. Now, when you think about a lot of copies of a document, it's easy to compare them to see if there are any variations in the text. For example, Homer's Iliad, we have 1,800 known copies. Now, this is by far the most copies of any ancient document. By comparison, the next closest is a copy of about 10 copies of Julius Caesar's writings. We have about 20 copies of the writings of Pliny, and we look at these writings and nobody disputes them, even though we have very few copies of the original. When it comes to the New Testament, however, we have 5,824 copies of the original Greek. Now, when you count on the other languages in the Bible, Latin and Syria uh, and Aramaic, there are about 20,000 copies of these New Testaments. So the average classical Greek writer has uh, less than 20 copies of their works, 
and they're still in existence, and nobody questions their validity. With the Bible, we have over 5,000 copies, but yet people question its validity. There's a third reason why we can really trust the New Testament and the Bible, is that we have manuscripts that were written earlier. So the thought goes like this. The earlier that we can date a manuscript, the more reliable it becomes. So we have good evidence to suggest that most of the New Testament was written before 70 AD. Now, when you think about that, uh, that's pretty amazing. And so the Jewish uprising against the Romans starts to happen in AD 66. The Roman Empire is dispatched as in general in Titus to the region that gains control. And we see this conflict that takes place. Finally, by AD 70, we discover that the city of Jerusalem falls and is attacked. And it seems like that's going to be the end of the Jewish race. But the New Testament is already compiled by this time. And we discover that most of it is already put together, except for a few of the later writings. So we have these early writings that go back to AD 70. Amazing when you think about it, that it survived all these years, literally hundreds and hundreds of years, and yet they're still intact. There's something else that we notice about the Bible that makes it reliable. Not only were the manuscripts written very early, but also we have the New Testament manuscripts, the original copies of these original writings. We also have independent sources that contributed to it. And number four, we discover that the documents are a collection of eyewitness accounts. Now, there is no denying the New Testament reads like a collection of eyewitness accounts because that's what they were, eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. But as we look at it, we look at the details, it's amazing when you think about it. The details are exactly what the New Testament provides. So Frank Turek, in his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be in Evidence, lists actually 84 specific details that are documented by classical scholars. And as they put this list together, they discover that there's a, there's a collection of eyewitness accounts, and they actually put their life on the line with the account that they provide. Now, this kind of blows your mind. Uh, for example, uh, the Gospel of John contains 59 confirmed details. None of them are the kind of details somebody would fabricate. And there is no other set of ancient manuscripts that contain this level of reliability and authenticity. Unbelievable when you think about it. The Bible is also reliable because non-Christian sources actually confirm the most important details. Now, there are 10 non-Christian sources who mention Jesus within 150 years of his life. These people have no motivation uh, to confirm anything about him, but they verify every detail of what New Testament says about his life, his death, and his resurrection. By contrast, we only have nine non-Christian sources who mention Roman's uh, emperor at that time, Tiberius Caesar. So when you look at this, Jesus is mentioned by non-Christian resources 43 times, where Tiberius is only mentioned 10 times. Now, there's no reason for us to doubt the, the, the existence of Tiberius of Caesar, but when you think about how much evidence we have for him versus how much evidence we have for Jesus, there's really no comparison between the two. So non-Christian sources confirm the most important details about the life of Christ. Now, this is amazing when you think about the bigger picture, uh, the reliability of the New Testament. Here's the sixth reason why we can trust the reliability of the New Testament. We can actually reconstruct it 
by using quotes of early church fathers. Now, as you know, all of the writings of the New Testament were complete by the latest time would be uh, A.D. 95. Maybe the book of Revelation was written at that time. So the writings between A.D. 95 and A.D. 110, we have three leaders within the Christian church who were really eyewitness accounts of the writings of the New Testament authors, and some of them were alive when Jesus rose again from the dead. These church fathers, there's three of them, Clement, Ignatius, and Polycarp, quoted every book in the New Testament except for Jude and 2 John. And since they were quoting the New Testament letters, this serves as a further evidence that these letters must have existed well prior to A.D. 100. Now, this is amazing when you think about the early church fathers believing and quoting all of the New Testament, actually writing it down as proof of the existence of the New Testament and the reliability of the New Testament. Well, there's a seventh reason of why we can trust the New Testament. There is historical and archaeological evidence that works together to give us proof that the Bible is reliable. You know, there are 30 characters mentioned in the New Testament whose names and positions have been verified by history and archaeologists. For instance, here's just a, a one illustration called the Osiri Box that contains the bones of the high priest Joseph of Cephas, who sentenced Jesus to death. And we have the infamous Pilate Stone. This is an engraved sign that authenticates the name and the title of the Roman prefect who released Jesus to the trial by the Jewish authorities. You see, there are many other examples that archaeologists have provided claims to the New Testament, including the Pool of Salaam. In John 9, 1-12, was uncovered in 2004. They actually found that place where Jesus performs that miracle. The Pool of Bethesda, found in John 5, verses 1-9, through 9, was actually excavated in 1888. Syrian governor Quirinius, Luke chapter 2, his name was discovered on a coin and a statue. The king mentioned in Luke chapter 3, is listed on an inscription near Damascus. These are just a few examples found in history, and archaeologists have uncovered these events and these things to prove the existence of the New Testament. There's an eighth reason why the New Testament is reliable. It fulfills ancient prophecies in amazing ways. Now, this kind of will blow your mind when you think about it, but there are nine specific Old Testament prophecies that foretell the origin, the nature, and the life of Jesus of Nazareth. These were written between several hundred and a couple of thousand years before his birth. Yet they predict the events of his life with a deadly accuracy. For example, Daniel chapter 7, Psalm 22, and Isaiah 53 all contain prophecies about his death, his birth, and his resurrection. They are so accurate that many have thought they were written after the fact. But the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 put that notion to rest. In all, as you think about it, these prophecies prove the Bible is reliable. Now, there's another reason that I trust the Bible, and I hope that you trust the Bible as well. And this is an area that is, is so very important. It contains some really embarrassing details. 
Now, if you were to write your own obituary ahead of your death, I promise you that you would not probably put certain things in your obituary. You probably would not put in a fact that, uh, that you cheated the government out of money or that you stole from your neighbor. You probably would not have included in your obituary that you were arrested or you probably would not have put into your obituary negative things that happened in your life. Most obituaries that you read nowadays are positive things about that person. They may mention something negative in passing. But when you read the Bible, for some reason, it's much different. You know, if you're going to make up or you're going to embellish a story about a heroic figure, uh, you know, you're going to do it in such a way uh, that you don't embarrass that person. But that's not what the New Testament does. The New Testament shows the early followers of Christ, they were bumbling fools. They were cowards who actually doubted his own teachings. I mean, Jesus' followers doubted what he said. Even within his own family, Jesus couldn't even get his own family to follow and believe what he was teaching. So consider that when you think about the whole issue of trusting the Bible. As a matter of fact, as I look at the Old Testament, I imagine David must be awful embarrassed about what God's Word reveals about his life. But yet, he was a man after God's own heart. I'm sure that Moses was not too happy that he was called the meekest man on the, on the planet, but yet he had some major doubts about trusting God to bring about deliverance. You see, when you think about the Bible, the Bible records the good, the bad, and the indifferent. That's why we can trust the Bible, because it gives us all that we need to know. Well, there's a tenth reason that we can trust the Bible, and that is because it does include some difficult sayings, even of Jesus. You know, as you think about the New Testament and the writers as they wrote about Jesus, uh, Jesus is very uh, a person that's very uh, has these unbelievable goals that he sets forth, right? He gives us these standards of justice and judgment. I mean, you just read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7, and 8, and you discover that Jesus has some really hard sayings. As a matter of fact, these sayings are so hard, it's hard to imagine that a salesman would be giving us these details and say, now follow me. Now, generally, when a salesman is trying to sell you on something, they're going to tell you all the benefits of following him and not all the hardships that come along with it. Jesus does just the opposite. He talks about the fact that if you follow him, it's going to cost you everything. He says that when you put your hand to that plow, you can't look back. He says, you want to be great in my kingdoms? You got to be servant of all. He talks about the meek inheriting the earth. I mean, it seems like it's upside down in our way of thinking. But when you know Christ, you realize the power of the message that he is giving to us. There's difficult sayings within the New Testament that reveal the reality that God's word can be trusted. There's an 11th reason why we can trust the New Testament. It contains some undesignated coincidences that verify its authenticity. One of the most powerful ways to tell if a story is true is you compare how different eyewitnesses tell about that story. If the accounts are exactly the same, you suspect collusion. If they're widely contradictory, you suspect that somebody is lying or that the story just isn't true. But when two accounts tell the same story from different points of view, that is the hallmark of authenticity. This is especially true if one version inadvertently provides complementary details to another. Now, some scholars would call these undesignated coincidences. For example, in Matthew's account, Jesus appears before the Sanhedrin and they spit in his face. 
They strike him with his fist, and then they slap him. They say, prophesy to us, Christ. Who hit you? Now, that's a weird question to ask somebody who just slapped you across the face. Until you read Luke's account. In Luke chapter 22, 64, we find out that before the Jewish leaders began questioning Jesus, they blindfolded him. This is a coincidence that nobody planned. It's a powerful indication that the accounts are real, and the Bible is littered with all these different kinds of harmonious features. They link the details together. These undesignated and undesigned coincidences are available. There's one final reason that we can trust the validity of the New Testament. The New Testament verifies the Old Testament. The reliability of the New Testament is beyond dispute, and that means we can trust its purpose to give an account of the life, the teachings, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is exactly who he said he is. His resurrection has confirmed it, and Jesus certifies the Old Testament, and he actually quotes the Old Testament numerous times throughout his ministry here on the earth. I want you to know that you can trust the Word of God. You can Put your confidence in the Word of God. We have eyewitnesses. We have the early testimony. We have the embarrassing testimony of the followers. You're probably wondering, what in the world is going on? But as you look at it, you see there's also this expected testimony. We see that God brings about unbelievable things in the Word of God that are verifiable. Things that you can see will change your life. So I want to encourage you today to trust the Word of God. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have much to be confident in when we look at the validity of the Word of God and how we can trust the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God exclusively for every part of your life. Now, I could go on about some other things that really encourage us about understanding the validity of God's Word. But I want to spend the remaining time that we have together looking at what the Word of God can do for your life and how it can change you personally. Really, that's the most important thing. I think about how God uses a guy like Peter. Peter denies Christ three times. And as a result of that, we think that Peter is done with. We're told that Peter denies Christ three times. Paul rebukes Peter on an issue but yet God uses Peter. The reason this is so important is because we are men and women that God so wants to use. Oftentimes we limit how we can use this because we get stuck and we get hung up on our weaknesses and we get hung up on our failures. I want you to know that the power of the word of God is this, that it can change you to be more like Christ. The author who put many of these pieces together had a lady come up to him one time and said, I know why Jesus appeared to the women first. He said, why? Because he wanted to get the story out. That is exactly the point. Men, we have this opportunity. Women, we have this opportunity to get the story out. Getting the word out is really the most important thing that we can do. Telling others about what Christ has done for us. You know, many years ago, I decided to get serious about my faith. From ages 15 to 21, I really was in this strange place in my life. I wanted to serve the Lord on one hand, but yet I wanted to do my own thing on the other hand. I knew God was calling me to do some things, but I really didn't want to do it. I wanted to live my life for me. 
I thought I'd come up with some brilliant excuses as to why I couldn't fully surrender to Christ. But every time I offered up those excuses, it seems like God would give me another reason why that excuse was not valid. I want you to know, I trust the word of God. And I had this crisis of faith in my belief. And I said, I can't preach the word of God if I don't believe it's true. So I surrendered myself completely to Christ. And I began to believe every part of God's word is true. As a result of that, God turned my life around. And he will do the same to you. I asked God one time to reveal himself to me when I was out at two o'clock in the morning. And God didn't come to me in, a, in an audible voice and I didn't see his physical presence, but he gave me a peace and a confidence that his word is true. As a result of that, I've been following him all these years, trusting God to use me. I want you to know he can use you as well. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how well-educated you are. It doesn't even matter how much money you have. All that is irrelevant to God. He wants to take you just as you are. Are you available for him to use you today? It is amazing what God can do through a person who is completely surrendered to him. So Lord, we pray today that we be completely surrendered to you. Not 99% of the way, 100% committed to you. Lord, would you use us as we surrender ourselves completely to you? Thank you for the word of God that teaches us, instructs us, and brings us comfort through this journey of life. I pray that we will proclaim this word wherever we go. And we pray that this be done to honor you and glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.